podcast. To get up and get going, South Coast, it's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in the third and final hour here on Friday. And that means it is time as we do each week to talk with New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad, who is joining us now on the line solo this morning. Good morning, Council President Morad. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Tim. How are you today? That's what happens when it's election season. Everybody's too busy to join to join you. Uh, well, as you know, I had Councilor Markey scheduled to join me today, but unfortunately Councilor Markey and his family lost their mom this past weekend and the funeral masses today so we'll have him on again i know chris is going to have him on on monday which is which is good but um my colleagues and i extend our sympathy to the entire markey family as i'm sure all your listeners and you do as well absolutely uh so with uh, you know i'm going to ask you this in a in a non-campaigning way i'm going to ask you this as a as a city official position but um i've been hearing good things about the early voting that's been going on that people are getting out and taking advantage of this opportunity and that um you know creating these opportunities has led to at least you know and these might have been the same people that might have gone out on election day and voted too but at least it shows that people are are engaged in in the process so far this year so um, from what I understand in talking to the election commissioner, we had strong early voting last Saturday downtown at the library. There was a lot of activity downtown with the fall festival um, and the, the kids downtown for the parade and the trick-or-treating. So it was strong voter turnout there. At Tabor Mills, uh, which was, I believe, Wednesday this week, um, it was it was okay. A lot of residents from Tabor Mill voted, which is wonderful. We have uh, when the redistricting happened, that polling location was moved, and those residents who would generally um, vote in their own building would now have to go up to Holy Name Sacred Heart Church Parish Hall. So, um, Councilor Jester and um, Manny DeBrito, they were critical in getting the, and uh, Chris Hendricks, I want to give him credit as well, in getting the city to do early voting at Tabor Mills to, at least for now, to let those residents be able to vote within their own building. And there were there were some people outside of the Tabor Mill building that voted there. Yesterday was um, the Hazelwood at the Rosemary Tierney Community Center. I actually stood out with some of my um, campaign volunteers yesterday to welcome voters. <laughs> it was a chilly day down in the south end yesterday, but we stood out. Um, it was pretty light. I would say probably, I don't want to quote the number, but I would say that it was well under well under 100, maybe in the 50 range. So that was a little bit disappointing. But, um, you know, the opportunities are there. And, you know, I want to uh, commend both WBSM and several of your sponsors who have been running ads now over the course of the last month, encouraging people to get out and vote, uh, making sure they're aware that it's this coming Tuesday, November 7th. Uh, it's important. It's important that people go out and have their voices heard. Um, it's not only for our government, but, you know, to make sure that our city, to make sure that you're represented in your city's government. And and I think that you will see, 
you know, those numbers of people showing up for early voting will start to increase as people become more and more aware of these opportunities. You know, just because the numbers are low now, I think people will realize that they can take advantage of this. I think it's worth the effort is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, I don't know, I haven't checked in to see what the mail-in ballots have been so far, but irregardless, everybody, you know, voting day is Tuesday, November the 7th. Uh, I don't know if you believe the weather predictions, but, you know, it's supposed to be milder than it is today. So it takes a short period of time. The men and women who staff the polling locations, they're very welcoming and very helpful you know, get out and vote. And, you know, today or Monday, if you don't know where your polling location is, pick up the phone and call the election office, 508-979-1420. Find out where you go. And between 7 a.m. and 8 p.m. on Tuesday, uh, make the effort to go out and, you know, check the boxes of the people that you want to represent you. Absolutely. And I know that with, you know, the election forthcoming and everything that's been going on, you know, it's been kind of a, a light time for, for official council meetings and, and, and council business in that capacity. But you've still been out doing other things that councilors do, such as uh, yesterday attending the swearing in of a new police officer. Yep. Um, it, it was uh, just one, but it doesn't matter whether it's one or 50. You know, they're new employees to the city of New Bedford. They're uh, men and women who are putting their lives on the line for the residents of the city. Um, in my tenure as a city councilor, I've only missed one of those swearing uh, sessions. I think that's important. And uh, when they, we do that for fire as well, um, I've attended all of those as well. So um, Councilor Oliver was with me, and we welcomed the new officer and his family. Oh, and that's what's really important. I mean, he had... He has four little boys that attended with the mom and his mom, which was very nice. And families are such an important part of our law enforcement and our public safety officials. They, um, you know, they support the men and women, um, not only through the academy and through the training, but these, these folks that are out on the street taking care of us, they witness some horrific things. And, you know, to go home and to have the support system that supports them, through those types of situations is very important. Um, you know, Reverend Lemer is the chaplain of the um, of the fire and police departments. He always attends. He always provides the new person with a uh, copy of the Bible and, um, you know, his business card. So if they need to reach out, um, they reach out directly to him for spiritual um, help. Uh, Reverend Rasheen, uh, Mike Rasheen is the fire department chaplain, and he does the same. And it's important that these folks have that type of support system. You know, I'm sure last night um, there was a horrific fire in the South End last night. Um, I've heard that people were injured, but no one is deceased. But there were several animals that were deceased in that fire. And, again, um, the men and women that respond to those, they, they have pets of their own. You know, our animal control officers, they respond. Um, You know, those are awful situations for them to be put in. So I think it's really important that we go, and we do go, and we welcome them, and we do our best to support them. And and you would also send along a note that there are eight recruits currently in the academy that are scheduled to graduate in January and 12 or 13 additional new recruits that will start the next session in January. So that's that's a positive sign because when the police came in and and spoke with me on the radio, you know, to try to start the effort to get people to take the civil service exam. You know, we talked about like what kind of numbers would you like to see? And, you know, double digit recruits was was a goal. and, And I think that getting to that goal is a good sign. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I, I assume that the change in the contract has helped 
um, you know, with the pay raises, with the pay amounts being increased so that, you know, they're making a livable wage for putting their life on the line. But um, we've gone through these situations over my tenure where we have very few people entering the academy and then we have a lot of people entering the academy. You know, I, I think that's a, a very positive sign, as you've indicated. Concerns me about the continued loss of experienced officers from the New Bedford Police Department. And when these men and women do join us, you know, they they don't have any experience in the field. We rely on the experience of our police and fire uh, people to you know, guide them through over the first several months. This isn't something that, you know, you graduate and get in the cruiser and, you know, you're like on TV. You, you, there's a long learning curve and a long uh, ability to, you know, kind of get your feet on the ground. So we rely on the experience of those men and women who have been with us for a long time. And as they leave us, we, we have less and less of that resource for the new people that we're hiring. Well, in, in so to some of those points, uh, I have to ask you then, the police union took a vote of no confidence in police chief Paul Oliveira this, this past weekend. And just your thoughts on that. I mean, Mayor Mitchell referred to it as a tactic. Uh, others have questioned exactly what the complaints are about the police union because what they put out was very generic. Um, what have you heard and, and, and just your thoughts in general on, on this vote of no confidence now for, you know, the second time in, in two police chiefs? Yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed in that. I mean, um, there are issues in every department. There's no question about that or in every profession. Um, you know, you don't always agree with the person who's at the head of the department. Um, I was encouraged to see uh, Chief Oliveira say that he was going to reach out to the union representatives and try to sit down and try to figure out, you know, what these issues are so that they could work together to move forward. Uh, he has been a staunch supporter of them in any conversation I have had with him. And, you know, he was at the negotiation table working for them as well. So I'm disappointed in that. I don't know if it's a tactic. This has happened several times, not just with former Chief Cadero and now Chief Oliveira, but it's happened a couple other times during my tenure as well. And it's just it's disappointing and unsettling. Um, you know, I'm, I, when, when it comes to public safety types of things, I... As I've told you more than once in your listeners, each one of us has a different expertise on the on the city council. And Council Gomes has really taken that role over the course of his term. And um, he's closer to the men and women of the police department. And I'm sure he hears more directly from them than, than I do. Although I do stop every time I see a police officer on the side of the road. I always pull in. Um, sometimes they're wondering, who is this crazy lady? Uh, to say hello, see how things are going, and to express my thanks. Well, I, I think too. It's you know, it's a political thing too. There's there's always going to be some some butting of heads between the union and the mayoral administration if they if they're you know not a hundred percent happy with their contract. As we know, there's still going to be negotiations that'll be ongoing for the future contract. And so yeah. I think I think what happens is you get a lot of these things that do get perceived from people as political, but that doesn't mean that you can't. You shouldn't hear the complaints that they have because even if they are looking at this more as, you know, a vote in no confidence on the chief is really a vote against who the mayor wanted to be the chief as opposed to, you know, there, there might actually be some issues going on that, that need to get addressed. And the fact that the chief is willing to sit down and, and talk about those is, is a good sign. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I to, to that point, they had um, originally a month or so ago sent a message to myself and from what I could see to all my colleagues as well 
telling us that they wanted us to come in as part of the election cycle and spend a few minutes chatting with them. Now, I have never been invited to a police department union meeting um, to discuss with them issues or concerns, so I was looking forward to it. And then a few days later, they reversed that decision and told us that, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be included in that meeting um, and we wouldn't be able to appear. I understand they invited two of the challengers to come in, but the rest of us were not, were not invited and did not appear. So I was kind of looking forward to that because it would have given us an opportunity to, to chat with the leadership of the union to, to actually have a one-on-one in a, in a private situation where they could be honest and maybe I could be blunt and honest as well, but it didn't happen. So they invited you and, and some of your colleagues that are already on the council in, rescinded yes. that invitation, and then, yes. but did have in the challengers. Yes, they had two of the challengers in. So it's very I don't interesting. Know. Yeah, it was very interesting to us as well. So. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe they can explain why that happened. I'm not sure. But um, stuff like that happens during the political season. Um, I mean, it, it might have been that they might feel that, you know, the, the sitting councillors are known quantities, so they, they, they know your approach and they know your thoughts and they just wanted to find out from the from the new people. But still, I that, that is, I'm going to have to reach out to Lieutenant Pielski about that and find yeah, you out. Should. Yeah, and only two, not not the five. Oh, well, actually four because uh, uh, Councilor Lemer is a sitting councillor, but, but not to the other four. So I, I don't know. Something happened there. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I didn't follow up to ask why. Um, so so it was Councillor Lima and, and which other candidate? Do you, do you know which no, the other one was? No, it wasn't Councillor Lima that was oh. invited in. No. Um, yeah, uh, I believe it was uh, Devin Burns and Bruce Duart that were included in uh, a conversation. Hmm. And actually, the only reason I knew about that is because I saw a social media post that indicated that. Oh, we'll have to, uh, yeah, we'll have to dig into that a little bit more. That and... gave you something to do today, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, uh, of of things to do, the city's had to do a lot with its uh, with its wastewater treatment and and being able to get all kinds of uh, upgrades and get up to code in a lot of different situations. And now the the press release came out yesterday that there is a significant amount of that loan being forgiven. The loan that had to be taken out to do that work is being forgiven. Tell us exactly what that means and how that benefits the folks of the city. Yeah, it is a significant amount, but it's a small amount in relationship to the hundreds of millions of dollars that we're going to spend uh, to upgrade not only our lead service in the city, but our aging infrastructure for the water and the wastewater lines that are in the city streets. So um, it's the um, Mass Clean Water uh, Trust Fund that every year uh, looks at the various communities across the Commonwealth and determines if they could forgive some of the monies that had been um, previously borrowed for projects that qualify within clean water. And this year, we're the lucky recipients of $11.4 million in loan forgiveness, which is a significant amount and will help a lot. Because as you know, um, the council's been very vocal about how much money we're being required by EPA and DEP mandated projects uh, to pay, and the way to pay that water and wastewater projects is to increase the water and sewer rates on the residents of the, and the business owners of the city in New Bedford. And so we, we have a lot of projects going over a 25 to 30 year span that we're mandated to do. So this is welcome news. Um, I'd like to see a lot more money coming. You know, one thing about our federal government is that. You know, you and I pay a lot of taxes for a lot of money to be spent in a lot of places, 
um, some not within our country. Uh, but, you know, when it comes to taking care of our own infrastructure, you know, I'm one of the people that believes that our country should put more money into our infrastructure, whether it be roads or water or sewer. You know, another good example of that is the mandated changes that are going to have to happen to some surrounding communities on the Cape and their septic systems. Um, homeowners are going to be required to change their septic system to uh, town or city sewer lines. And there's no money for that. And people, that's not cheap. Those come with thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 price tags. So, oh, there's that council for him. I'm sorry. Um, so that's, that's an issue for us and for anybody who has to take that kind of money out of their pocket to be able to have to pay for those types of projects. So, again, this money is very welcome. I'm thankful that um, Commissioner Pont um, looks forward to working with the DEP and EPA and uh, getting these types of relief. All right. Well, we, we will let you take that call because I got to take a break anyway. But <laughs> I want to thank you for joining us. And next week you'll be back with us and uh, you'll be joined by Councillor Pereira. Yep. Councillor Pereira will be with us. So thank you for the time. And again, please, um, all your listeners, it's very important. Um, on the 7th, please go out and cast your votes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You have a great weekend and we will talk next week. Thank you for the time, Tim. Bye-bye. All right. That is New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad. We do have to take a break. We will be back in just a few moments and then into your phone calls after the news at 508-996-0500. There's always someone here to remind you of the news that is uh, happening around the world, and that's Ariel Dorsey. She's got the news for you again. Now, on the other side of that, we can take your phone calls, 508-996-0500, and we can take your app chat messages and your open line voicemails on the WBSM app as well. But right now, let's go into the newsroom with Ariel. Two of Donald Trump's sons testified yesterday in the former president's civil fraud trial in New York. Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump both took the stand Tuesday and were heavily questioned about their involvement with financial documents for the family business. Trump Jr. pointed to the company's accounting department and others for any inaccurate documents the Trump organization sent to banks. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has arrived in Israel. Blinken is expected to push for humanitarian pauses in Israel's war against Hamas and for the Israeli government to protect more civilians in the Gaza Strip. He's also expected to discuss how Gaza will be administered once the war is over and if a two-state solution is still possible. The Biden administration plans to announce today that it will send $425 million in military aid to Ukraine. According to Reuters, two U.S. officials said on Thursday the package will include counter-drone rockets and munition. The government says only half the people who are eligible for the special supplemental nutrition program for women, infants, and children receive benefits from the program known as WIC. In a report released today, the U.S. Department of Agriculture said more than 12 million Americans were eligible for WIC in 2021, but just over 6 million received benefits. 
Shipping Group AP Moeller Marisk said on Friday it will cut at least 10,000 jobs after reporting a steeper drop in third quarter profit and revenue than analysts and investors expected. The company is sailing into headwinds of overcapacity, rising costs and weaker prices. The 2023 World Series was the least watched in record TV history. The fall classic matchup between the champion Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks averaged 9.11 million views. That number was less than 9.79 million average from the 2020 World Series between the Los Angeles Dodgers and Tampa Bay Rays. It turns out high school students are vaping less. A study by the CDC and FDA found that overall tobacco smoking among high school students has hit an all-time low. E-cigarettes use declined by nearly 580,000 high schoolers since last year. E-cigarettes have been the most commonly used tobacco product among high school students for a decade. The director of the FDA's Center for Tobacco Products say this is a win for public health. In sports, the Bruins managed to extend their point streak to 10 games to open the season after taking down the Toronto Maple Leafs 3-2 in a shootout at TD Garden. Boston will be visiting the Detroit Red Wings tomorrow night. The Celtics unveiled their 2023-24 City Edition uniform. This season, Celtics will be wearing a uniform that is a nod to the origin of the game and continued commitment to the craft. The uniform highlights elements that show both handmade craft and connection of the city of Boston to the game of basketball. The woven taping on the side panel references the handcrafted peach baskets originally used in the sport and a historical basketball with a clover inside appears on the belt buckle. Tomorrow night, the Celtics will visit the Brooklyn Nets. And the Patriots are adding depth to the secondary. New England has signed rookie defensive back Alex Austin, who originally entered the NFL as a seventh round pick of the Buffalo Bills out of Oregon State. This Sunday, the Pats will be hosting the Washington Commanders at Gillette Stadium. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. Good to be with you, everybody, on this Friday morning. Another chilly morning. We're starting out with dry conditions. However, temperatures rebounding considerably as we head into this afternoon with plenty of sunshine. Temperatures heading into the mid to upper 50s. Along the coast, we could see some gusty winds. Overnight, some clouds. Temperatures will be dipping around 40s to 50s. And then tomorrow, a glorious day with temperatures headed to 60 dry for the rest of the weekend. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Cecil El Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app.
normally I don't like playing live versions of songs on the radio. Like I just I feel like it doesn't sound that good when you play a live song. Uh, but that's the only version of that. That's the only way you can hear that version is through the live version that they put out on the uh, the Greenpeace fundraiser album. That's REM's Drive, but it's the Alternative Energy version. NRG. Letters NRG. Alternative NRG version, uh, which they released on this Greenpeace album. And man, that is, that's my favorite REM song. That version of Drive. I, Drive's an okay song otherwise, like the slow one. But that performance of that. And when I saw them uh, at uh, Great Woods, Kids, that's what we used to call the Xfinity Center. When I saw them at Great Woods, that's the way that they performed that song, if I remember correctly. And that's just, to me, that's that's awesome. Uh, my favorite REM album is Monster. I know I'm in the minority for that, but it is. So I love that version, and I was I had it in my head, and I wanted to play it this morning. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to break my rule about not playing live versions of songs and play that one. 508-996-0500. If you want to call in and chime in, we've uh, we've had a lot going on this morning. We talked about cold stun season for sea turtles with Connie Marigo of the National Marine Life Center. And if you missed that, we have it up on podcast. Uh, we just had a great conversation with Council President Morad about a lot of different things going on, including the police union voting no confidence in the police chief. It all comes down to this Tuesday. It all comes down to election day in the city of New Bedford. And if you haven't done early voting, well, you're going to have to come on out on the uh, on the actual election day, which will be great because I'm hoping that people will be calling in throughout the course of the morning, the course of the day, and giving us updates on, you know, what number of voter they were when they went down to vote and what, what it's like down at the polls. Uh, please plan on doing that Tuesday. When you go out and you vote, Please plan on calling us and letting us know exactly what's going on, exactly how it is uh, lining up. But uh, I can tell you that November 6th, which is Monday, right? Do I have my dates right? Third, fourth, fifth. Yes. So on Monday, that is Monday at noon is your last day and hour to apply for an in-person absentee electric ba- election. Electric election. It's the last day and hour to apply for an in-person absentee election ballot. That's this Monday at noon. Then that's to go and pick it up to vote absentee because you can't get to the polls on Tuesday. If you don't get that by noon on Monday, then your only other choice left is to go out on Tuesday to vote. And you will have 13 hours to do it. The polls will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. So if you... Didn't get out and do early voting. You're not doing an absentee ballot. You're not doing mail-in voting, any of that. Well, then you want to get out on November 7th, on Tuesday, and get out there and vote. And I'm going to go through it all with you right now because, and again, I know we're talking to an audience that is civically engaged, but share this. Share this information with people in your life that you know don't go out to vote or that you know have opinions about what goes on in the city but don't get out there and let their voice be heard by just filling out some some ovals on a, on a ballot. So again, there'll be the mayoral race between incumbent mayor John Mitchell and challenger Richard Tyson Moultrie. There'll be the city council at large race with all five incumbents running for re-election. But some of those challengers came in very close 
in the preliminary election and have been building up some name recognition throughout the course of the uh, last couple of weeks. So that's going to be a very interesting race to watch. In Ward 1, voters will once again decide between the incumbent, William Brad Markey, and challenger Leo Chiquette. And in Ward 5, because Councilor Lima decided not to run for re-election in Ward 5 and is instead a challenger for the at-large race, uh, that will come down to Joe Lopes, who is the longtime Ward 6 councillor and had a couple of stints as the council president, but then moved to Ward 6 after he lost the, I mean, moved toward five, rather, after he lost the Ward 6 election to Ryan Pereira last time around. Uh, he is running against Zach Boyer. There are uncontested races in the rest of the city's six wards. So Ward 2, Ward 3, Ward 4, and Ward 6. Those counselors are all running unopposed. And then there is nobody running against the incumbents running for re-election on the school committee and for assessor. But again, as I've been pointing out, even though the incumbents don't have a challenger, your voice and your and your vote are still just as important because if they get if they get back in, but let's just say they get back in with only ten percent of the vote, that means a lot of people didn't fill out the ballot, the didn't fill out the oval for them for some reason or another. So and then you have to look at it and say, well, what what am I doing? What are people what are people taking issue with? So, again, if you haven't already made your plans for how to get out to the polls on Tuesday, start working on that now. Don't wait until Tuesday morning and try to get a ride or try to get an Uber. Start planning ahead. You can actually reserve an Uber ahead of time if you're going to use that to get down there. You can call and make an appointment with the cab company. No matter what you do, get out there and vote. This campaign to increase voter awareness is brought to you by WBSM and sponsored by Lang, Exaferis, and Bullard, the New Bedford Housing Authority, the DeMello International Center, and the Luzo Auto Center. Going to take a break. We'll take your calls on the other side. 508-996-0500. We'll be right back. when they're having problems with their roof or with their windows or with their entryway doors, what a fool believes is that they can just take care of it themselves, that they can just do the work on their own. That if you are going to be needing to kind of uh, upgrade those or replace them or fix any damage that might have happened, that you can do it on your own. That's what a fool believes. What a smart person does is calls Precision Window and Kitchen and has them come down and take care of it because they can do it better than anybody. They've been doing it for a long time. They've seen it all. They know how to repair it, how to do it quickly, efficiently, and correctly. And when you go down and talk with them and they're 
showroom at 1111 Cushion Avenue. They can show you exactly the materials that they're going to use. If they don't have it in the showroom, they've got it out back. The showroom is, is impressive enough, but what you don't realize is just how big it is behind the showroom and all the workspace that they have where they're creating things that they will then bring to your home and install. It's incredible. It's amazing. And they can show you exactly what materials they'll put in before they do it so that you know what you're dealing with. And then they can give you a free estimate to let you know how much it's going to cost and when it will be done. And they'll be able to do it faster because they don't have to go to other guys and get other stuff and order things. That They've got it all on hand. They make it all themselves. They're the people the other guys go to to get the stuff that they need. That's the truth. So go check them out at 1111 Cushion Avenue or visit them online at precisionwindowandkitchen.com. And you can see some examples of their great work and sign up to get that free estimate. Free, no obligation estimate. Precisionwindowandkitchen.com. You know what else a fool believes? A fool is like me believing that it was all just urban legend, what people talked about when they said, oh, there are people put needles in kids' Halloween candy. Ah, that's just, a, that's just an urban legend. I don't know anybody that's ever had needles in their Halloween candy. Well, apparently it happened on the Cape. In Sandwich, a mom reported to the police, called the police to the house, two sewing needles were found in candy bars. And you can see them at WBSM.com. One was in a fun-size Snickers bar. It had a puncture hole and a sewing needle was found inside the piece of candy, which you can see there's chocolate on a little bit of the needle, but the needle is longer than the candy, it looks like. And then one was also found in a Twix. So... You can read more about that, but the police are taking this seriously. They put out something on social media about it on their Facebook page saying, be vigilant in your candy, especially if you trick-or-treated on the Main Street area of Sandwich, because that's where they think that this might have happened. But I never thought we would actually actually have to be concerned about what people are putting into Halloween candy, but it is a sick world. So check it out. WBSM.com and the WBSM app, you can read more about it. Also, later on on the website and on the app, we will have a big Edaville-related story about a major change that is happening to the park for this upcoming season, which begins next week. Now, you folks that listen, you know that I'm an Edaville nut. I love the place. I've been going there since I was a little kid. I have a lot of love for it. I've looked for ghosts there. I've found ghosts there. I've seen ghosts there. It's the only place I've ever seen what they refer to as a full-bodied apparition. A literal, translucent, transparent, see-through person. But uh, it is a place that has a lot of history and memories and nostalgia for many of us. And they are, more than ever, leaning into all of that and making it as traditional, and as much of the Edaville as you remember. They have been clearing out some of the original track. They've added hundreds and hundreds of new ties to be able to take the track out, to take the trains out further. They're trying to go, get this, they're trying to go exclusively steam trains this year. No diesel. It's going to be exclusively steam trains as much as they can pull it off. The only thing they could get in the way, they said, is if they don't have enough steam crews to run them, which they're in the process of hiring folks now, or if one of the steam engines breaks down. But the people who are running it are also the people who can repair, repair and replace them too. 
So they've got the right folks handling it. So very exciting, but that's not the big news. The big news is even bigger than that. So we'll have that for you a little bit later on. Right now, though, I've got to take my final break of the morning. We'll be back in a few. And not much left. Just a few seconds remaining before we'll give way to South Coast Now and Chris McCarthy. But a reminder that this Sunday, the Patriots host the Washington Commanders. Kickoff on WBSM is at 1 p.m. with pregame here at 10 a.m. And as always, all season long, New England Patriots action on WBSM is brought to you by Shooting Supply, by Primacare, and by D&J Enterprises. So you can catch that game right here on WBSM on Sunday. And you know, you don't want to watch the Patriots, right? Because they're not, they're not great to watch. But you can listen. And just hearing Bob and Zoe call the game will make it sound better than it is. Trust me. So tune in on Sunday for that. And also keep an eye out on WBSM.com and on our app. 